0: Blessed Abraham, Isaac's son, or God blessed Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham gave all he had to Isaac. These are the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar the Egyptian, Sarah's servant, bore to him. These are the names of the sons of Ishmael, named in the order of their birth. Neboth, the firstborn of Ishmael, and Kedar, Adbil, Mibsam, Mishma, Duma, Massa, Haydan, Tama, Jeter, Naphish, and Kadima. These are the sons of Ishmael, and these are the names; these are their names by their villages and by their encampments. Twelve princes according to their tribes. These are the years of the life of Ishmael: hundred and thirty-seven years. He breathes his last and died and was gathered to his people. They settled from Havilah to Shur, which is opposite Egypt, in the direction of Assyria. He settled over against all his kinsmen. So we have a lineage there of Ishmael as well. We also see that Ishmael and Isaac, they, they came together briefly for the burial of their father Abraham. And then when we track all the way back up to the first few verses before Abraham passes, we're we're given that lineage of the, the concubines. The line that came from Keturah. But we notice that even though there were other sons, other children, which we've known about Ishmael all along, we covered that narrative of Abraham and Hagar and the resulting child, Ishmael. We know that there were promises given to Hagar regarding Ishmael. And here in this section, we actually see that God even... He was faithful to keep those promises. He was faithful to keep His Word pertaining Ishmael. Pertaining uh, the son of, of Hagar. Which we'll, we'll come back to that. But do make a brief mental note of that now. That even to the son of Hagar... The slave woman. God was faithful. To keep his word towards her. And towards Ishmael. But even though there were other sons. Even though Ishmael really was the firstborn. Regarding Abraham's line. All that Abraham had. Was given. To Isaac. The promised son. The one whom. God repeatedly reminded Abraham. I will give you and Sarah. A son. I will give you a son. Not you and Hagar. You and Sarah. Not you and anybody else. You and Sarah. Will have a son. Sarah. Barren. Past the age of childbearing. I know you have heard me say that over and over again. I hope that. I hope that you hear it in your dreams at night. Yeah, we get it, Caleb. Sarah was barren. She was past the age of childbearing. Abraham was an old man. Good. I hope you always forget that for the rest of your life. It was nothing short of a miracle that Isaac was born to Abraham and Sarah. God who brings into existence the things that do not exist to Him, to Isaac, Was given all that Abraham had. And even in the the brief narrative that we have. Of Abraham's death. These are the days of his life. 175 years. Abraham breathed his last. And he died in a good old age. An old man. Full of years. Why did he just say the same thing. Three different ways. If... If somebody says, well, that man he's of a good old age. Okay, we get it. He's old. An old man. Yeah, you just said that. Good old age. He's an old man. Got it. Full of years. Yeah. Okay, we get it. You would think that the author is trying to help us really understand something here. God was faithful to Abraham. Abraham had a Blessed, abundant, full life. And even in this narrative of his death and burial, it's made abundantly clear. He died in a good old age, 175 years. An old man, full of years, he was gathered to his people. The last two weeks in Genesis 24 when we've been covering that chapter. The very first verse says Abraham was old, well advanced in years. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Do not overlook every. And we're going to because we're human. But as we study the scriptures. We need to train ourselves to see every last little reminder of God's faithfulness. And even there in that note. Good old age, he was an old man, full of years, gathered unto his own. Even in his death, we see God was faithful. Isaac had been provided. A wife had been provided for Isaac. The line of Abraham was going to continue. The line of Abraham, whom God had said, In you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That line was established and it would continue through Isaac. Not through Ishmael. Not through any of the sons of the concubines. Through Isaac. And at that point, some may say, well, is that is that fair? Is that right? That everything gets left to Isaac? And, and you know, we're told in verse 11 that After the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac, his son. But we're not told that that God blessed all the children of Abraham. Why is there something special about Isaac? Why is he the only one that gets directly mentioned that God blessed Isaac? Why, Why don't we see a specific God blessed Isaac and God blessed Ishmael? Why is it just Isaac? There's only one people of God. There's only one line of the people of God. And it is not ethnic Israel. It is the children of the promise. As Paul says in the New Testament. Those who are of the promise. Those who are of the faith are the children of Abraham. Those who are of the faith are the seed of Abraham. But here in the Old Testament, yes, we are covering the physical, the ethnic lineage of that. From the line of Abraham would come who? That would crush the head of the serpent. Christ Himself. That line has been established. It will continue in Isaac. And it will culminate in Christ, the true promised son. See, Isaac was the promised son to Abraham. Abraham is the father of Israel. But the true Father of Israel, the true Father of the people of God, is God Himself. And the true promised Son is Christ Himself. Not Isaac. It's is Christ. That line has been established. And so yes, there is a specific blessing. There is a specific love that God has set upon His people. And those that are outside of His people do not experience that specific blessing and steadfast love which endures forever. You say, so, so what of the people that are outside of that line? What of the people that are, that are outside of those bounds? Well, to the sons of his concubines, verse 6, to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts. And while he was still living... He sent them away from His son Isaac eastward to the east country. They were provided for. Abraham made sure they, they had their gifts and their provisions. But it says He sent them away eastward. How dare He? Right? He's their father. Right? He sends them away from Isaac? Like if this is all about Isaac? Yes, you're starting to get the picture. It's all about Isaac. But if we were to stop there, we'd still be falling short. It's all about Christ. The Father, the Eternal Father, has only given to His Son all that He has. Things in heaven and things on earth. All things have been handed over to the Son. And here, I would say with, with that small, brief statement, Abraham gave all he had to Isaac. We get a small glimpse, a little, a little peek to the eternal truth that the Father has given all he has to the Son. There is one promised Son. And it is Christ. And as believers today, all of our attention, all of our focus, all of our aim, all of our affection should be towards that one Son. The true Son. The promised Son. Christ. I also want to make a very... Practical observation with this. First and foremost, when it comes to studying the Scripture. I remember growing up... <coughs> I some of y'all say, Caleb, you're still growing up. You're just 33. Take it easy. I remember growing up, hearing sermons that were titled like, Dare to be a Daniel. I don't know if you've ever heard that sermon. It was a pretty popular sermon. It got preached lots of different places. Right? Or we would hear sermons on, we're in Genesis, we would hear sermons on the faith of Abraham. Here's five steps so that you can be a man of faith like Abraham. Or, if you, if you want to be the type of person who's not afraid to face your giants, if you want to be like David and defeat the giants in your life, here's the steps you need to follow to be like David. Or pick another Bible character. If you want to be zealous for good works like like Paul, that nothing stopped him, he was shipwrecked, he was in prison, he, he, he was stoned and left for dead, and then got up and just went to the next place and started preaching. If you want to live a life like that, here's how you can do it. Here's how you can be like Paul. If we're in the habit of doing that, if we have our favorite Bible characters and we say, I want to be like him or I want to be like her. May we acknowledge the fact that even though we're talking about biblical characters, when we think that way and we, when we operate that way and when we challenge ourselves to be like somebody else in Scripture, it still counts as idolatry. We are not to read the scriptures so that we can learn to be like Daniel. We are not to study the scriptures so that we can learn to be like Abraham. We are not to study the scriptures to learn how to be a Proverbs 31 woman. We are not to study the scriptures to see how we can be a Ruth. We are not to study the scriptures to see how we can be like Paul. Or be like Matthew. Or be like Peter. The scriptures pertain to Christ. And if we study the Scripture to be like Abraham or to be like Paul or to be like this, we're still not getting it. We don't understand that all of the attention and all of the glory and all of the praise should be on the promised Son of God. So may we not fall into that trap. And if you say, well, I fell into that trap many years ago and I've, I've been spending my life trying to be like Abraham or trying to be a great leader like Moses. or try... Cut it out. Look to Christ. Listen, all all of your biblical heroes, if you say, I want to be a great leader like Moses. When Moses was at his best as a leader who interceded on behalf of the people, he never looked more like Christ than in those moments. Look to Christ. When Abraham was exemplifying a life of faith to God who called him... He never looked more like Christ who was obedient to the Father even to the death of the cross. When Paul was taking and receiving upon himself the, the, the persecutions of the world. And enduring through that for the glory of God. He never looked more like Christ who endured all that he endured. And even endured the cross to bring many sons to salvation. It's not about the characters, the individuals of the Scripture. It is about the one who is the very Word, Christ. Turn to John chapter 3, if you would. In the closing verses of John 3. Starting in verse 31. I'm going to read a few verses above that. But I want your attention to really start in verse 31. I'm going to read a few verses before that. Just to put the context. John the Baptist is the one speaking here. and uh, <clears throat> Some of. Some of John's disciples and. And the Jewish folks had started a disagreement over purification. And they had come to John and said, Rabbi, he who is with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look. look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. So basically, John the Baptist, you're losing your followers. You're losing your crowd, man. And John the Baptist answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before Him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears Him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase. I must decrease. Verse 31, He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. May we not fall into the trap of reading Scripture and say, Oh, Abraham was so amazing. Oh, Isaac is so great. Oh, oh, to be like Moses. Oh, to be like them. Oh, if I could just... May we look to the Scriptures and say, May Christ receive all the glory and the praise and the honor. The Father loves the Son, and He has given all things to Him. Now, secondly, some of us have heroes of the faith that are our family members. We might say, well, my grandma who passed away years ago, I always knew her to be a woman of the faith, and I want to be like her, or my grandma. My daddy or my grandpa or my great uncle or whatever it may be. We may have people that we might not even be a family member. You might have a favorite speaker. You might say, oh, if I, and I'm only, I'm only using this example because I know he passed away recently. You say, oh, I love Charles Stanley's ministry and if I could just be somebody like Charles Stanley. Or if I could be like a Charles Spurgeon. If I could, and we have heroes of the faith that aren't in the Scriptures, but they're in our hearts and they're in our memories. And we say, oh, if I could be like them. And I say this with as much grace and love as I can muster up. Do not fall in the trap of idolatry. The Christian is not one who lives their life trying to be like somebody else who was just a sinner. Like ourselves. Who was just human We live our lives trying to pursue and trying to be the one who is fully human and fully God. The one who was crucified, buried, and is risen again. Anybody that God has placed in our lives that did point us to Christ. That did give us an example to follow. We praise God for the example. But our end, our goal should not... Well, I want to be like that example. No, we want to be like Christ. And praise the Lord, we have a promise from Scripture that God Himself is shaping us and molding us into that image of Christ which He has predestined us to be. The, you say, well, oh, so how am I supposed to view those people that, that I look to as hearers of the faith? How can I rightly honor them and reveal them? Give God the glory that He placed Him in your life? And understand this anything good. Within them that you remember is by the grace of God. Anything good within them was because we can't even receive one thing unless it's given to us from heaven. Anything good within them was Christ. You say, well, yeah, they were a believer. Okay, so the life that they lived was not them, but yet Christ living within them. And we use that example and we say, what did we love about? Well, I loved how much they knew the Word. Christ is the very Word. Well, I love how much they loved people. And who's the perfect example of loving people and having compassion? Love the fact that they pointed you to Christ. The perfect example. The supreme example. The Son. Colossians chapter 1. I've used this as a reference uh, numerous times. Again, that has been intentional. I hope that some of these references... They just get stuck in your head. You memorize them without even knowing that you've memorized them. In Colossians 1, (coughs) verse 15, He, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. And you, if you're here today... And you say with confidence, "I praise God I'm saved. I know that I've been redeemed. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death. In order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast. Not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Abraham gave all things to Isaac. The Eternal Father has given all things to the Son, and all who believe in Him will never perish. They'll have eternal life. But those who do not believe, the wrath of God still remains upon them. So I do want to encourage all of us to just think seriously about this for a moment. It's all about Christ. So far, I've simply made the point that the Christian life, all of our affection, all of our attention should be upon Christ and His glory. But to even begin the Christian life, so to speak, a sinner must be brought to the place Where God allows them to comprehend for the first time. Jesus is Lord. There is one true God. There is one creator of all things. And he has given all things to his son. Who is Christ Jesus. And those who believe in him will not perish for their sin. But have eternal life. But those who do not believe are still under the wrath of God. The wrath of God still rests upon them. So I want us to think humbly and sincerely for a moment. Has God brought you to a place in your life whether it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 10 years ago, 10 minutes ago? Where you were broken under the weight of your sin. And by His grace you understood for the first time ever. It's all about Christ. It's all about Him. I'm a guilty wretch. In need of a Savior. And here is this Christ who hung on a tree. Conquering. Sin. Crushing the head of the serpent. And he was buried. And he rose the third day. Conquering death. I'm a sinner. And sin has brought me death. But Christ is here. And he offers life. Has there been a time in your life. Where you comprehended. And you rejoiced with a believing heart. That you understood. Jesus really is Lord. It is all about him. And he is my only hope of salvation. He is my only hope. Of eternal life. If there has not been that moment in your life, but you say, "Well, even now, Caleb, listening to you speak, I feel the weight of my sin. I know that I'm guilty. Where do I? Where do I turn? What do I do to be saved? Go to Christ, repent and believe." Christ is our only hope of salvation. His work upon the cross is finished, which is why he can tell, weary sinners, come to me for rest. The work the work is done. We go to him and rest in his finished work. It is all about the Son. I want to go back and note again <clears throat> from Genesis 25. We do have that lineage Of Ishmael. And we also have the list of sons. From the concubines. I want us to note again. God's sovereignty. God is sovereign over the line of Ishmael. He is the one who said. He told Hagar. Your child. He will be great. He will be a warrior. He had 12 sons. That list is given there. They had their own they had territories, became a great nation. His lineage became a great nation. The other sons that were born. The name that may look the most familiar to you when you see the name Midian, you might think, Well Midian, that's probably where the Midianites came from. And so we know that even from these sons there were some there were some great nations or great peoples that, that rose up. Nevertheless, God's blessing was on Isaac. But that does not mean that the rest of these people groups had terrible lives on earth. That they didn't thrive in what they did. No, God, God enabled them and God oversaw their successes. But from the line of Ishmael and even from the line of some of these concubines some of the enemies of Israel the people that israel would be at war with the peoples that would always have animosity against israel they came from these from this line why would god allow this line to to grow and to thrive and all god is doing in this seemingly he's just increasing the number of enemies that israel will have god god really missed an opportunity here to just say okay this line's going to be no more And that will be one less enemy that Israel has to worry about. Or maybe what we should learn from this is no matter how great and no matter how numerous our enemies are, they can never hinder God's blessing and God's provision and God's successes for His people. No matter how great and mighty, no matter how numerous, no no matter how many battles we face against our enemies, it doesn't matter. If God has set His love upon us, who can be against us? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Who who is there to harm us? No one. No one. So yes, God reigns. God reigns over His people. But God also reigns over all of our enemies. And furthermore, He's actually, He's actually using the enemies in the way that, that He is ordained. God tells us He works all things together for good. For those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. So, when our, when Israel's enemies attack, when Israel is actually overtaken in battle, did that hinder? Go through the rest of the Old Testament real quick. Did that hinder God from bringing Jesus to the scene? No. Did that hinder God from making sure that Israel continued as a nation? No. No one can stay or no one can stop the hand of Almighty God. You say, oh, but Caleb, you don't understand all the stuff I've been going through lately. I just feel like it's one enemy or one spiritual attack after another. No, no. God works all things together for good. To the extent that we're told in Scripture, rejoice in suffering. Count it all joy when various trials and tribulations come your way. We've talked about this before. You say, Caleb, that's the antithesis of what we're supposed to do. When I go through a hard time, I will out of it as soon as possible. Well, that feeling may be there. But through faith, we must remind ourselves, if God has ordained that this happen, then there is a good spiritual outcome that will come from this. God may be testing my faith. God may be humbling me. God is sanctifying me through whatever this is. Because He tells me in His Word that I should count it all joy, that I can rejoice even in suffering. How does a Christian rejoice even when we're suffering? Because no amount of suffering, no amount of pain, No amount of enemies can keep God from accomplishing His work in us. And no amount of pain or suffering can keep God from putting His blessing and His steadfast love upon us. Nothing can hinder that. Nothing can hinder Him accomplishing His good and perfect will. Consider Job. Job. Satan himself. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? And in all of that, who was really... You say, yeah, but Satan got to do whatever he wanted to do. No. God set parameters on it. God was the one who was fully in control of that situation. Acts chapter 2, verses 23 and 24. This Jesus, this Christ who... Who was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. And then Peter says, you crucified him at the hands of lawless men. Well, which one is it? Was he delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God? Or was he killed by the hands of lawless men? The answer is yes. Both. Because even when those men were nailing his hands to the cross, they were accomplishing the good and perfect will of the Father say, how can you say that? Because Isaiah 53 tells us it was the will of the Father to crush the Son. You say, what good could have possibly come from that? The salvation of an innumerable multitude from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Even when our enemies are doing their best to defeat the people of God. Even when the enemies were doing their best to defeat the Son of God while He was on this earth. They were doing nothing more than accomplishing the good and perfect will of the Father. That is how we rest in the sovereignty of God. Even when mankind thinks we have defeated God. God laughs and says, you're you're a tool in my hand. I reign over you. You are mine. And I will do with you as I see fit. That's freedom. When we really comprehend that as believers, that even even the enemies that come against us, the trials and tribulations of life, the sufferings of life, all of those things are tools in the hand of God to shape us and mold us into the image of Christ. And the reason we can rest in that promise is because of Christ Himself, the promised Son, whom all things have been given to By the Father. All authority has been given to Him. Authority in heaven and on earth. And to close, to bring it back to Abraham. We come back to that promise. In you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. The line of the, the Ishmaelites, the enemies of God, the Midianites, all of the Canaanites, Gergeshites, Jebusites, you name them. All of those enemies of God. All of those people groups that tempted the people of God to turn away to idol worship. The enemies of God. Why would God why would God allow them to live? To show his power? To make his power known? to show His faithfulness and grace to His people. All of those battles that Israel won that they shouldn't have won. All of those victories that God gave them. But also, because of the promise that He gave Abraham. All of the odds, all of the enemies of God, through the blood of Jesus Christ, Can be adopted as sons of God. The gospel. Only through the blood of the cross. Are the enemies of God. Adopted. As the sons of God. The enemies of God. Become. The friends of God. But more than just friends. The children. Of God. And all of this, setting up what is to take place in the future, but also it goes backwards all the way to those first three chapters of Genesis. There will be enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. The seed of the serpent will bruise his heel. But the head of the serpent will be bruised or the head of the serpent will be crushed. And all of this, even when we're just reading, oh, Abraham had other sons. Oh, Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. Oh, well, God blessed Isaac. All of this is here. All Scripture is God-breathed and it's profitable. All of this is here to point us to Christ, to point us to the Gospel, and to show us the greater narrative, the greater picture of redemption that comes through the promised Son. Abraham is the father of Israel. But the true father of Israel, the true father of true Israel, is God the Father. And God the Father has His only begotten, the promised Son, the promised Savior. And all things have been given to Him. And He is over the house of God. And all who turn to Him in repentance and faith, although they were enemies although they were far off they are brought near and they are adopted as dear sons and daughters of the most high you see even just in saying that it's easy. you see how Jesus is much greater than Isaac Isaac couldn't do that Isaac was the promised son but who's the true promised son Jesus Christ Isaac, even if, even if Isaac was sacrificed up on that mountain when Abraham took him up there, that sacrifice of Isaac would have done nothing to save the souls of innumerable multitudes of people. But when the true promised son died, the many were made righteous. And the enemies of God are made the children of God through the blood of the Lamb. And so again, I would encourage all of us To think deeply and to think humbly. Do we see Christ for who He truly is? Have we placed our faith in Christ? Or have we placed our faith in the Christian system and and doing all of the Christian things? And or have we have we spent our life just just trying to be like other Christians that we really look up to and our faith is in our efforts trying to be like those other people? Or do our hearts truly belong to Christ through faith? Because we understand that it's all about Him. All of the heroes of the faith in Scripture, they're there to point us to Christ. All of the heroes of the faith that we had or that we still have here on this earth, they point us to Christ. It's all Him. Have we turned away from our sin and rested our souls in the finished work of Jesus Christ? The true promised son all things have been given to him if we are in him we will have eternal life if we do not believe if we are not in him the wrath of God still abides upon us you say Caleb where shall I flee from the wrath of God I wish to be saved how do I flee from the wrath of God run to the son rest in him Let's close in a word of prayer.